Hey guys, thanks for listening to the V1 Church Podcast. I'm Julie Signorelli, co-lead pastor, and you are about to hear a powerful message from my husband. This is about going through a valley. If you've ever been scared, fearful, having a tough time, this message is for you. Stay tuned to the end. There's a powerful prayer, and I know that it's going to minister to you. So let's check it out. <laughs> How are you doing, V1? We're in the third installment of this series, Instant. Who's been listening to the podcast? Come on, it's confession time. We just cleared 50,000 listens on the podcast, which is insane, insane. Um, And people are watching online and subscribing on YouTube and all those other ways that you get your fix because you'll come out of here and then you're going to have a case of the Mondays. Have you ever had that? You come out here, I can take on the world, right that? And then you walk out the door and the devil's like, (laughs) and you're like, am I even a Christian? Does God even exist? And then you just, your bloodied hand reaches for your phone. V1 podcast. (laughs) Is that anyone else's Monday? Because I'm leading this church and that's my Monday. You know, you walk out the door and Satan's like, No, you didn't think you were a Christian. (laughs) Okay, now I'm just having fun. Um, I'm going to preach to you today out of Psalms, the 23rd chapter. Now, before all my Pharisees think, that's cliche. I'm just going to tell you, I got my mind blown because I did not know that the valley of the shadow of death is a real geographic location. Did you know that? Now, if you did know that, you're in trouble. And here's why you're in trouble. I didn't know that. And I was getting asked to speak a lot. They were really putting a demand on me, which was cool. I had never even seen most of these locations in real life to know. They would just tell me where it was at. And I, you know, just try to tee off on whatever the Holy Spirit gave me. But then one morning they said, hey, we're about five minutes away from the valley of the shadow of death. And we want you to speak there. Is that cool? And I'm like, that's a real place, right? And all all the pastors are like, (laughs) and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I grabbed my phone. I was like, shadow of the valley of death, historical context. And I had a great experience there. And I I have to tell you, I was up on the mountaintop and I had this group of pastors and leaders and people. And I said, I want you to look over that into that valley of the shadow of death. How many of you have already been there before you've been there? And everyone said, hey, man, I was like, all right, cool. We're preaching now. And that was kind of, uh, there was a powerful moment. And I got some revelation from the shadow of the valley of death, which is a real place in Israel. And I want to share it with you today. Is that cool? But let me ask you this question because you're all acting a little too excited. Are you in a valley right now? I mean, are you in a valley right now? And I'm not talking about a physical valley. I'm talking about a spiritual valley. Let Let me tell you what a valley is, and then maybe you can give me a better answer. A valley is a low point in your life. A low point. A valley is a place of uncertainty. Bird, bird box. Is that, what it <laughs> is that even what it's called? I don't know. A place of transition. Now, Christians love the word transition. Now, can I just detonate that word real quick? Because if, if you were to write a Bible, many of you, this would be the scripture. And the word transition covers a multitude of sins. Because according to us Christians, it's never our fault. It's just transition's fault. Oh, I'm just in transition right now. I lost my job. No, you got fired because you were on Instagram all day. 
has nothing to do with God. Right? And God saved you 40 other times. This time he didn't. And that means he's saving you a different way. Am I right? Don't you love it when God saves you the other way? First he delivers you from it. Then he delivers you into it. And he's like, son, this is going to be powerful. And you're like, ah, you're in a blender. (laughs) Sometimes he delivers you from it. And sometimes he delivers you into it. And both of them is deliverance. Ha! You like that? Oh, it's Pentecostal. All the Pentecostal people sat up. I'm taking notes now. But sometimes he'll deliver you from it. Sometimes he'll deliver you into it. And it's deliverance both times. But don't call it a transition if it's just stupidity. Call it stupidity. Don't call it a lack of diligence or discipline, right? If it really is transition. Because sometimes you'll go through some real stuff too. And you'll find yourself saying, God, I, did, I think I did everything right. Why? And he was like, you'll see. Don't you love that answer from God? You know he talks that way. If you actually learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will tell you. You'll see. I know God like that. God, what is going on? You'll see. And then he laughs a little bit. (laughs) Yep, that's God. (laughs) See, we want so much certainty in our lives. Where do you see that in Scripture? I don't see that in the Bible. I didn't see it in Israel when I retraced the steps, but I see faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen. Come on. Faith is that staircase that you take one step at a time and you don't even see the next step. Or the staircase, Indiana Jones. Come on, faith. A valley is a place of silence. I just haven't heard God in a while. And all these new Bethel songs are garbage. (laughs) Nothing moves me the way it does like it used to. They're putting all this electronica in the music. How can I even hear God through all the sins? <laughs> oh, this is Christendom in 2019. I stood in the jail cell where Jesus awaited crucifixion and thought about how trivial and stupid our problems are. He literally, they had burrowed a hole through the wall so that our Savior could be fastened to a wall inside of an underground prison without a light, and we don't like the worship song. Come on, somebody. I rebuke that spirit. Okay, this no, I'm, these aren't even in the notes. I'm just excited to see you. <laughs> and my body's seven hours ahead, so this is a night service to me right now. Here's another one. A valley is a place of loneliness and isolation. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> What's going on, God, 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 God? It's a place of being misunderstood. Have you ever felt like you haven't actually spoken the same language of the person that you live with for a long time? And you're like, maybe I'll just try speaking in tongues and hopefully the Lord will interpret because Julie's not understanding this. A place of rejection. It also can be a place of accusation where you're just continually reminded of your own failure, your own fault, you know? Isn't it funny how when you're, you know, right now my kids are at that age where they want to be older. You get to the age where, and then you'll eventually get to the age where you want to be younger. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, if I could have that body, that vehicle that I used to have, room, 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 with this integrity, (laughs) something else could have happened than what happened right there. And you could be in a valley of decision. As a matter of fact, the Hebrews, the ancient Israelis, they called this place the Valley of Decision. It was, a, it was a real place. 
and, and famously called it the valley of the shadow of death. Now, at least three times, David, the giant killing warrior that we all know and have colored his coloring book pages, his ancient Israeli coloring book pages, he went back to this physical location at least three times in his life. How many of you know that the valley isn't a one-time deal? How many of you know there ain't enough money to save you from the valley? How many of you know that there isn't a house big enough for you to hide in to escape the valley? How many of you know there is no Porsche or car of your dreams that will drive you fast enough to escape a valley? You'll go to the valley multiple times in life. Can I read you scripture though? Psalm 23. Say it with me if you know. I want to see who my saints are and who my ain'ts are. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Praise God. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in one church for in the house of the Lord forever. And everyone said, amen. I'm just kidding. We don't want some of you guys here. But anyways, we all know that Psalm. I want to take a deep dive. Is there anyone here who wants to go deep with me? And we're going to take a deep dive into Psalm uh, chapter 23, because it was a Psalm that David wrote. David wrote this Psalm. Now watch this. This is where your mind gets blown for the first time. Mine did. He wrote this psalm, scholars believe, before Samuel ever showed up to anoint him as king. He was keeping the sheep. His life was full of uncertainty. See, he hadn't been asked to do anything great yet. He was just asked to keep the sheep. And so biblical scholars believe that he he wrote this. Now watch, full of uncertainty, doesn't know what's next, has a sense in the atmosphere of his life that God could be calling him to more, but has no real evidence of it because he's got defecating sheep all around him in a valley of isolation and loneliness and the uncertainty and the darkness of not knowing what's happened next. Do you follow me? And then he writes this. See, character is revealed when there's no one else around. Am I right? This is what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Woo. Now that's a revelation. You know, a lot of times when people post up on Facebook, they're often posting to themselves. You know that, right? So if David starts this psalm by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what his heart was crying out? You see all these sheep I'm leading? Who's leading me? You see all these kids that I'm making lunches for and feeding every day? Who's my mom? You see all this wife and this family and all these bills I'm paying and the grind that I'm doing every single day at work? Who's my dad? That's what his heart was saying. Have you ever been there before? Can we be the church of the real today? Am I the only one who's ever said, you know, who's my dad right now? I think I'm doing the best job I can by Bella and Everly, but who's my dad right now? Am I the only one? 
David's heart was saying, man, I'm doing a good job with these sheep. I'm killing predators. I'm hunting predators. I'm, I'm feeding them. I'm leading them. I'm doing all that I know how to do. Who's my shepherd? And then when you put the squeeze down on somebody like David, worship comes out and he says, ah, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a revelation. You know, a lot of people leave a church because they think that I'm their shepherd. Follow me as I'm following Jesus because I will fail you. What happens when my schedule doesn't allow for an appointment with you? You leave. The Lord better be your shepherd. Because in that moment, you shall not want. If I'm your shepherd, you're going to be leaving wanting. My job is to lead and to feed. I'm doing my job right now. I'm feeding you right now. I'm leading you into the next seasons of your life. But how many of you are thankful for the great shepherd that will step into your life and you'll be able to say, I shall not want because I stopped following a man and started following the man. Anyone. That's how I survived because I've had some good pastors. I think my pastor is the best pastor on the planet. But I'll be leaving in want if I put him in a position to do something he can't do. Aren't you grateful? David understood this. You know what? Let me give you a wisdom key. Do I have any leaders in the house? Can I teach you something? Did you know, man, I feel a spirit of revelation on me right now. Did you know that, that, that this, was, this psalm, I believe, was the moment that David inherited the kingdom? Because as soon as he understood the Lord is my shepherd, God could put him in the number one slot because he would know now that he doesn't have to be under anyone else yet. You get what I'm trying to say? When he finally understood that the Lord was his shepherd, God could take him all the way to one spot. Come on, devil, give me my science signal back. Every time I preach good, the mic goes out. Okay, good. Somebody heard me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, he will always take you beside still waters. The question is, will you follow him to them? Because we spend more time following people on their newsfeed than we do following him to the still waters. He's always leading. Are you following the right person to the right thing? I try my best to post as much scripture as I think you need for the day, but I dare you to let him lead you to still waters because you can flick your thumb right past my post. But if you let him lead you to still waters, you'll drink of something and never thirst again. Come on, somebody. I'll go Pentecostal today. He leads me in paths of righteousness for whose name's sake? Now, let me just say this. What's a path of righteousness? A path of righteousness is a journey that you take one step at a time. That's why there's salvation and then there's sanctification. Some of you at the conclusion of this sermon are going to accept Jesus by confession. That means that you are going to be forgiven for your sins and you will go to heaven. But here's the thing. You should be taking a path of righteousness. There should be some evidence in the weeks and the days and the months and the years to follow that you are going through a process of working some things out with fear and trembling and going from glory to glory and becoming a better man, a better woman, a better husband, a better wife, a better Christ follower. There should be some evidence. See how nobody amen on that. If I told you a check was on its way in the mail right now, everyone would shout me down. But paths of righteousness happen one step at a time. You guys should look at me a couple years from now and be like, man, he's been on a journey. I can tell. Aren't you grateful for a church community like this that will take each other on journeys? 
and say, man, I'm not judging you based on what you are. I'm not judging you based on what you've been, but I can tell you this much, the best is, the, is yet to come. Does anyone believe that? And so he, he takes us on these paths of righteousness. But here's something that I got a revelation from. Yea, though I walk, say walk. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, this thing that you're going through right now was designed for you to walk it out. Somebody say walk it out. And see, some of you are running through the valley like this. Somebody say walk. See, some of you have only ran through the valley and then you find yourself exhausted on the mountaintop. If you run through the valley, you will find yourself exhausted on the mountaintop. Somebody's going to get it today. If you run through the valley, you will find yourself exhausted when you do get to success. Because success is actually spelled P-R-O-C-E-S-S. And that's the title of the message that took me 15 minutes to get out. Success is spelled P-R-O-C-E-S-S. And this time you're going all the way. You are not quitting. You are not giving up. I'm not letting you. This church isn't letting you. You're going all the way through the process. I'm here to tell you we're your coach and your captain. We're going to grab you by the nape of your neck. And you are going to go through to the other side. You are not going to quit today. You are not going to quit tomorrow. You're not going to quit next month. You're not going to quit next year. You are not allowed to quit now. That's the kind of atmosphere that we need to produce, but it starts from the inside and works itself on the outside. And David knew, I need to call this thing out. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still water. And then when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not running around like crazy, doing every single swipe up to do my 12 steps so that you can make me rich when I tell you how to get rich. Not keep on running and try to book yourself and schedule yourself to do everything of ministry, but you haven't spent any time alone with God to minister to him or to yourself. You know how I hug you in the beginning of the sermon and just slide the knife in later. I see a lot of people running through the valley and it says walk. David was going through a process. I thank God for my process. I thank God for it. I thank God for it. First, he delivered me from it. Then he delivered me into it. Praise his name both times. Some of you are sitting down in the valley. It says walk, not sit. You can get to a point in your life where this is, is this helping anyone today? Is this help? You, here's what you can do sometimes in life. Yeah, I'm just going to stay here. You know, it's easier. I tried. I tried. I tried to be a good husband. She's just stupid. This is what I hear. You know, I, I, I did the best job. I went to that church. I, 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 tried, I did everything they said to do. They're kind of bogus, you know? I mean, they just don't get it. Their leadership doesn't get it. I'm just going to sit here in the valley. Have you ever sat in the valley? Some of you are sitting in the valley right now. Yeah, well, I wrote some worship songs. I wrote like one and a half worship songs. None of them ever made it big. It's clearly not my gifting. You know, I mean, I, I think I'm good, but I never got the call, you know. Um, Bethel just doesn't get me. They will, but it'll be too late. You know, I'm just sitting here in the valley. I'm just sitting here in the shadow of the valley of death. I just, you know, I tried purity. Here's the thing about purity, but I need to fulfill my sexual desires. I have needs. And so I tried singleness 
and it didn't work. So I'm not walking paths of righteousness. I'm just sitting under the shadow of the valley of death. Are you sitting today? Or are you walking? And sometimes the first step is some crazy guy from Indiana yelling at you from a microphone, get up and let's walk together. Aren't you thankful for those people in your life that refused to let you sit in the valley and said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And they said, come on, let's walk together. Aren't you grateful for those people? Let me just tell you, the first time that David went through this valley was before he had been anointed king. The second time was after. Do you know that you will often experience, now for those of you who haven't tasted the success that you think you want and desire for your life, I'm just going to ruin it for you for a second, okay? This is one of those moments. Once you get it, you're going back to the valley. Is this helping you? Because once you get the thing that you think, so here's David, hidden in obscurity, playing his harp skillfully. And all of a sudden, there comes a man named Samuel. And Samuel takes the horn of the anointing oil and pours it over his head and says, you are going to be the next king over Israel. And he's just like, yes. And then guess what happens? Saul, the current king, begins to chase him to pursue his life to take it. And guess where that chase leads David? Right back into that same valley of the shadow of death. He goes back. Did you know it was a real place? It's a real place in your life too. But guess what the Bible gives account? And I love this story. The second time, say the second time. Get ready to preach with me. The second time he goes to the valley, he doesn't go alone. He goes with some mighty men who were tired of the way Saul was doing his regime. Some men who said there has to be something else in life. I'm fighting. I've got this this spirit of excellence and diligence. I want to do life a different way. And the Bible gives an account that they drew themselves unto David and said, David, we want to follow you. And so as David is going through it again and experiencing this chase to, to actually take him out and kill him. He finds himself back into the valley of the shadow of death. But this time he's surrounded by all these men. And he says, guys, I know a great hiding place. And I can imagine those men of war were saying, David, how do you know this region so well? And David said, oh, I've been here in this valley before, but I learned some lessons in this valley before. And the lessons that I learned here, I'm going to teach you something too. And guess what? There's some of you that have been through the valley. The second time you go back to the valley, there's going to be some people surrounding you who are going to say, I don't know how I can survive this. It seems so uncertain. It seems so dark. And you're going to say, wow, God, my pain must have some purpose now because I know exactly what to say to them because I've been here too. Thank God for the process. Can somebody shout, thank God for the process. Success is spelled P-R-O-C-E-S-S. Thank God for taking me through. Because here I am standing in front of you saying something that happened at 843 175th Street in Hammond, Indiana. Now I've got, I happened to me all alone. Nobody was around. Nobody understood. Nobody validated me. And all these years later, over 20 years later, now it's David back in the valley. Oh, I'm going through it just like you're going through it. But now I get to go through it with you all. 
and say, guess what? The last time I was in this valley, I wrote a song. Last time I was in this valley, I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There ain't no job that can provide for me the way that my God provides for me. There ain't no wife that can love me the way that Jesus loves me. I'm not trying to get my needs met anywhere or by anyone else because I've met the master. Is there anyone else who will learn in one valley and then take some people with them in the second time they go to the valley? Because your pain doesn't have a purpose until it goes through a process. Did you miss it? Your pain is meaningless until it goes through a process. If you don't get out on the other side, it's just the valley of the shadow of death. But if you'll go through the process, you know what it becomes? Psalms 23. It becomes a memorial for everyone who comes after you. I'm preaching to you right now. It becomes a sign for every single person that has to follow you that if God was faithful for you, he's going to be faithful for them. Do I have any Davids in the house? Do I have any Davids watching online right now? Let me tell you what the valley teaches you if you'll let it. Because it's, there's a lot of lessons. It teaches you how to praise God before the victory. What if you tried that? See, there's this thing that we have where we can actually praise God before a thing happens and it activates faith. You know what my wife used to do? She used to sit in front of the door in the living room when I was in the bowels of hell wrapped up in alcoholism. And she used to scream at me you are not Johnny Cash, you're Brian Houston. <laughs> she started thanking God in advance for what I was going to become. Aren't you thankful for people who have that righteous indignation that they will begin to cry out a thing before it's a thing? My wife used to look at me and say, you have million dollar potential. And she used to call out the greatness in me. I'm calling the greatness out in some of you right now. The valley will help you to choose faith and not fear. The valley will help develop your character that sustains the success. See, it was in the valley that David learned how to become a king, not on the mountaintop. You don't learn how to become a king on the mountaintop. You learn it in the valley. Come on, you've seen a rocky montage. Don't trip when Jesus takes you through one. The valley teaches you the gravity of your dream. Finish the statement with me. Easy come. Easy come, easy come. Now, why do you want it to be easy? Because you want it to leave that fast? No, you want to build something that sustains. The valley teaches you the worth of your purpose because your purpose does have a worth. We want everything fast. We want everything instant. We don't want to work out. We want liposuction. We want to open our eyes and go, Shake Shack tonight. Am I right? You know I'm right. You know what I loved about alcohol? I didn't have to learn to find my rest in Christ. I could just do a shot and I would feel the effects instantly. They say that high function people tend to bend towards alcoholism because they live such a fast paced life in their mind that it helps them rest faster than true methods of rest. See, we want it instant. We want it instant. We want it instant. We love instant. We seek instant. But let me ask you this. How good is instant food? Don't, don't answer. Some of you are huge Taco Bell fans. 
But there is something that God is doing through the process that's not instant. And it is going to give you the gift of sustained success. And I promise you this, and you will replay this message back in your mind. When you get to the other side, these are the words that you are going to hear. It was all worth it. That's what you're going to have playing in your spirit when you get to the other side. It was all worth it. It was all worth it. That's what you're going to begin to say. It was all worth it. The trials, the tribulation, the rejection, being misunderstood, the poverty, the singleness, it was all worth it. You feel it? There's an atmosphere. It's the reason why you would show up in the rain and push past all the barriers to get here today because there's an atmosphere in your life that is begging you to believe that you are called for more than what you're experiencing in this valley of the shadow of death. David, when he was in the same place, he went back twice. The third time was actually the Valley of Kidron, which was a place where his rogue son, Absalom, actually erected a monument unto himself. And David, in the latter years of his life, found himself walking back into that valley. And I believe as he walked into that Kidron Valley and he saw his rogue son, he tried his best, subdued nations, conquered for the people of God, had a desire to rebuild the temple and establish the presence of God. He said, God, you know me, you know what I'm about, but it doesn't make sense that I didn't get my fairy tale ending with Absalom. But I believe that as David walked one step in front of each other in the valley of the shadow of death, he said, I remember just being a young, young shepherd boy on those hills right there. And I remember the song that God gave me and the revelation that he gave me that I would never want as long as he's my shepherd. As long as I'm following him, I would never want. I remember the second time when I came back and me and the mighty men hid in that cave over there while Saul, who was still alive at that time, was pursuing me for my life. God got us out of that cave. And you see all this, all of Jerusalem, they call it the city of David now. And now there's harps just put up as a monument everywhere because the valley worship will always manifest into the mountaintop monument. Oh, there's such a spirit of worship stirring in your midst. There's a song that wants to come out of you so badly right now. I don't care if you even know how to sing in key. I'm not talking about performance. I'm talking about worship. I'm not talking about performance. I'm talking about praise. There's something inside of your belly that will defy all of the confusion that Satan, yes, your adversary had set against you. The demonic realm is real just as the supernatural prophetic realm is real. Some of you have been under an attack, a spiritual attack. There have been those in this room under the sound of my voice that Satan has literally tried to kill you. There, You are a marked man and a marked woman. There is an attack that's 
been on your life. This is a, a decision moment, just as the valley of the shadow of death is referred to by the people of Israel as the valley of decision. So have you been in the valley of decision. But today, your yes will be manifested with a song. Your yes will be manifested with worship. You know, to this day, every single time somebody walks past the tomb of Absalom and I watch them do it, they throw a rock at his tomb. Whenever you try to build something to yourself, for yourself, it will boomerang. To this day, even portions of Absalom's tomb are eroded away from the multitudes of rocks that have been thrown at the foundation by the people of Israel. As soon as Mike Signorelli said, I'm not building something for me, I'm going to build whatever God called me to build, my life changed forever. And years later, you showed up. There is something connected to your yes in the valley of decision today. Saying yes to the process. I'm not running through this valley. I'm not sitting in this valley. I am going to walk through the shadow of the valley of death that is going to cause potential and purpose and destiny to be released that the world is groaning for right now. Because do you know that God actually is not going to do it apart from you? He's going to do it through you. He actually is destined you to do it. Would you stand to your feet? Do you feel the gravity? Do you feel like the spirit of prophecy in this room right now? You know, I fought for this sermon all week. I was in Israel praying for this sermon. And at the sake of sounding cliche right now, I want to tell you, The Lord showed me that there are people that are going to hear this sermon that have the potential of millions and millions and millions on their lives. And it's that crucial. I know this sounds cliche. You're like, dude, you're in a movie theater. A movie's going to play 20 minutes from now. You're crazy. But as I was 6,000 miles away in Israel praying for this sermon, I felt the Lord tell me that there are people who are going to listen to this sermon that have the potential to reach multiple millions on their lives. And it is that serious that you make the right decision to go through this valley now to get to the other side. I don't know who you are. I want to speak to somebody who feels like you're too old. Maybe you feel like you've been in this valley for so long that you're like, what does it even matter? I'll probably just die here. That is a demonic lie. That lie is actually the origin of it is demonic. And I'm not afraid to talk about the devil because I met him. And that's a demonic lie from the pit of hell that's telling you that you are too old and you're going to die in this valley. There's some of you that believe the lie that you're too young that you don't have enough experience or education. Let David be a reminder of what submission in your youth to the plan of God can do. Because I stood in the valley where he picked up five smooth stones and sank one of them into the forehead of his enemy. And then the Bible gives an account that he cuts the head of Goliath off and actually walks when you actually do the math over two miles holding that head. Now that's an epic parade. We're going to do that this spring in Farmingdale. But you know, God 
I'm talking to the youth now. He doesn't just want to give you the victory. He wants to give you a two-mile parade of the victory where everyone says, that was crazy. That was impossible. That doesn't make any sense. From the youngest to the oldest, God wants to use you to do great things. There's these lies that we accept, these lies that we believe. Close your eyes right now. I just want you to remove all distractions. There's nothing special about closing your eyes. It's just that what you saw with your physical eyes is partly the problem for some of you because it looks impossible. But God wants you to settle something in your heart and leave this auditorium or close out your phone or your tablet or your iPad or whatever where you're watching this live and wants you to settle something in your heart. Man. Right now, with your eyes closed, I want you to think about the thing that you do best. Come on, some people are already starting to cry all over the auditorium. This is a holy moment. I want you to think about the thing that you do best. What do you do best? Because you've been focusing so much on what you do wrong that this holy moment is God wants you to think about what you do best. That's the thing that he's going to use you to touch millions of lives with. That's the thing that only you can do. Come on, there's people crying all over this auditorium. The Holy Spirit is beginning to move on your heart right now. Maybe it's just a hug. Maybe you're like, man, nobody hugs the way I hug. You might hug somebody and stop a suicide and that person's the next Billy Graham. Don't you think with your own rational mind what God can use and how he can use it. He'll take a small, smooth stone and do the impossible. Maybe you've told yourself, I met a guy while I was traveling who was an opera singer and he was an older guy and he said, because of the physiology of the way that the vocal works, I haven't even reached my peak as a singer yet. Maybe there's a song that's getting ready to come out. Maybe you're going to begin to write sermons before you get ever, ever get scheduled to preach them. Maybe you're going to birth a business and go into the next levels of what God called you to do because you're going to have such an attractive kindness that in a world that is so brutal and so savage and so angry all the time that you're going to have this unpenetrable kindness that's going to be like a magnet that draws them to want to surrender and submit to the dream that you have on your life. Wow. Would you just, if you receive any of this, would you just lift up your hands towards heaven and say, just repeat after me. We're not going to be religious. You know, a sign of raising your hands is just saying, Abba, pick me up. Just, I want you guys to say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I receive it. I surrender to your will, but I surrender to your ways. I thank you for your mysterious ways because they prove that you're God and I'm not. And I thank you that the thing on my life is God-sized. And now I surrender to you because only you can bring it to pass. Now say this, say, I thank you for the valley because it leads me to the mountaintop and I will praise you in the valley 
better than I'll praise you in the mountaintop. Now V1 Church, can everyone lift up a shout of praise? What a powerful sermon. You guys hung in there all the way to the end. Good job. Now I have a special assignment. We actually do church Monday through Saturday on Facebook. And if you'll search the official V1 Church eFam, we would love to build community with you online all week. So come check us out and thanks for tuning in.